Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, Doug Hyde of Pro Football Focus is joining me to break down the winners and losers of the free agent period in the national football. That We get into some deep dives on several of the league's most interesting teams. But first, I wanted to talk to you about another podcast here at ESPN, which is the First Draft Podcast, hosted by ESPN Draft experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates. These guys are keeping tabs on the latest in the NFL draft as it approaches in a couple weeks. And the show is now twice a week, every Monday and Thursday. All right, joining me now here is promised on the Bill Barnwell Show, a frequent contributor to this very podcast, someone who covers the entire NFL for Pro Football Focus as their NFL reporter. And joining me today to talk about the winners and losers that we have seen from the first few weeks of free agency is my friend, Doug Kide. Doug, what's up? Doing well. How are you doing, Bill? I'm great. Um, I am excited to talk to you about this. We talk about the NFL plenty offline, so this is a chance to do it while getting paid for doing so, <laughs> um, which is great because I feel like you have a very valuable perspective, not only having covered the Patriots for a long time and focusing on one of the best run franchises in football, but now covering the league as a whole for the past couple of years and kind of seeing how each of these organizations are run and how how they're approaching what's been a very interesting free agent period. We saw so many trades sort of dramatically uh, uproot free agency. I know that's something you've been focusing on uh, in your work at PFF it, it trades and sort of how the future might look when it comes to trading in the NFL. So I think there's a lot to sort of discuss here as we hit sort of you know, this lull between free agency and the draft. Yeah, it's been a, it's probably been the most interesting off season that, that I've covered personally. I started covering the NFL, I guess, in like 2011, 2012. I mean, it's, it's the craziest off season in recent memory, the most movement, mm-hmm. the most quarterback movement. I'm not sure if this is going to be the norm moving forward. I've kind of talked to some people who thought that, they almost like the NFL did this all by design because of some TV deals and everything. I'm not sure if I'm going to go like full conspiracy theory on this, (laughs) Uh, but I do think it's been a really fun off season. Um, And yeah, I I don't know if we'll see this again in the next few years. Yeah. I mean, certainly so many quarterbacks uh, changing paths. So that led to a lot of other moves as well. We saw some teams, you know, make some cuts, make some free agent signings that maybe they would not have done if it were not for all this movement. So many teams, um, not 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 getting out of the draft, but it feels like draft capitals maybe more concentrated this year than it is in a typical NFL draft. So a lot to discuss um, and a lot to think about. But wanted to sort of talk about from the broader perspective, winners and losers from what we saw from these past few weeks. And there's a couple ones that maybe I think a lot of people would agree on, and then a couple that maybe would be a little more subject to the eye of the beholder. So I'll start with you, Doug. Um, let's go on the positive side. Let's start with a winner, you think, from these past few weeks of the NFL offseason. This one might be a little bit more polarizing, and I'm curious to hear what you think about this, but I would put the Dolphins in there. I know that um, you know it, it took a decent amount of draft capital to get Tyreek Hill, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they bring in Toronto Armstead. Yep. They spent some money at, at running back with Chase Edmonds, Ricky Mostert, mm-hmm. uh, brought in some other guys that Mike McDaniel kind of knew from his time with the 49ers. But mm-hmm. so I, I can understand if people think that maybe they spent a little bit too much on some of those positions or if it they didn't spend as wisely as other teams. But just looking at it from a perspective of, like which team improved the most this offseason? Which team kind of entered themselves into that contender sphere? Mm-hmm. I think the Dolphins have to be considered in there. And I mean, Tyreek Hill, we'll see how he winds up doing uh, with the Dolphins. We'll see how that mm-hmm. fit with Tua Tango Vailoa is. Um, but I just can't really help but think that they, they went all in this offseason um, and in a division that they share with the Patriots and the Bills. I think they almost kind of had to. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at how far they've come, right? I mean, this was a team that was tanking, what, three years ago, three seasons right. ago. They were basically selling off whatever they could for for high draft capital. And now it's gone really almost full circle where they're trading their first round pick. They're trading um, other assets as well. I think five picks in total went to Kansas City 
for Tyreek Hill. I guess it's so tough to say because realistically, so much of this depends on how much Tua Tangle-Vailoa develops. But do you think there is the possibility here that they've done enough with the core they have to be a Super Bowl contender this year if Tua does take a significant leap forward? I think they could. I think it would take a lot from Tua. And I'm personally, uh, I don't want Dolphins fans jumping on me about this. <laughs> I'm sure they will because Dolphins fans love themselves some Tua Tagovailoa. I'm not the biggest Tua guy, but just as far as what they've surrounded him with this, this season, he's going to be better. He is mm-hmm. going to put up better numbers than that Miami offense. I, I like Cedric Wilson as a player, having Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill in the same offense. Those running backs I mentioned earlier, Chase Edmonds is a good player. Raheem Mostert's a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, brought back Mike Kosicki. Um, I think that they could contend for Super Bowl. I, I don't think that you know it's likely. I think that all the teams in the AFC West are better. I think that teams around the, the conference are better. Um, but I actually also thought that the Teddy Bridgewater signing was was kind of a, I don't know, under the radar move, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people really paid that much attention to when they signed Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I, you know, I don't I think he's only making five or six million dollars a year, something like that. But mm-hmm. like, if you just look on paper, he's not him and Tua are not like. Like they're pretty much the same quality of quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I'm kind of curious to see how that all unfolds in Miami. Uh, and I'm also curious not to get too far into the weeds here, but if they're not competitive this season because of Tua or because of Teddy Bridgewater, whatever it is, mm-hmm. like there's a possibility that they could have Tom Brady as their quarterback in 2023. So maybe it doesn't even matter how good they are this season, uh, given the fact that they might have a much better quarterback in a year. Okay, so I wasn't going to bring that up, but since you brought it up, I'm I'm going to take the bait. Like, do you believe in your heart that there is a more than like a 1% chance that the Dolphins have Sean Payton and Tom Brady as their head coach and quarterback in 2023? I mean, yeah, I think there is a better than 1% chance. But I would also say that I don't necessarily think it has to be both of them. I think that, you know, if the Dolphins are competitive this season with Mike McDaniel, then I think that they could keep Mike McDaniel and then also have Tom Brady there next year. I mean, Brady is only like, he's only signed through this season. So Mm -hmm. he he will be hitting free agency as long as he wants to keep playing. And it really seemed like that the entire retirement was kind of a sham. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that this is going to be Tom Brady's last season just because he randomly retired for five weeks or whatever it was. Like, I, I think that there's a better chance than not that he'll actually be playing in 2023. And I definitely don't think it's a guarantee that he'll be playing in Tampa Bay. So you're telling me that either we're going to see Tom Brady with Bill O'Brien or we're going to see Sean Payton uh, with new Dolphins quarterback Taysom Hill. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it, they they it seems plausible to me for sure that Tom Brady would make that move to Miami. Yeah, I it's a, a Tom Brady Mike McDaniel pairing is like kind of funny on the surface, just because like sure. Mike McDaniel is younger than Tom Brady. Um, he he looks I think younger than he even really is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's coming from that Kyle Shanahan system. He's a offensive, you know. He's very smart. He's very intelligent. I think that obviously he could use Tom Brady in in a very, uh, you know, in a a fun way. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I mean, it obviously it all depends on how the Dolphins play this season. If Tua Mm -hmm. has a, you know, fantastic year, he's a pro bowl or whatever it is, then maybe we we won't be talking about this in a year. Uh, But I think that we all kind of know what Tua's ceiling is at this point. And if the Dolphins could acquire Tom Brady next offseason and replace two with Tom Brady. Like I, I, I just kind of feel like that's that's probably the the right decision as long as Tom Brady finally doesn't find that cliff this season. That's a good point. I mean, I guess I wonder hmm, let's say Tua Tango Fialoa plays like who would be a good 
let's say he plays like Derek Carr this year. Let's say he has a Derek Carr caliber season at a much younger age. Tua Tangelo would only be in his third season, so he'd still be pretty young. Still on a rookie deal. He'd still only be 25 heading into 2023. And let's say Tom Brady becomes available and says, hey, I want to come play for the Miami Dolphins. Would you push Tua Tangelo aside or trade him for that one year maybe of Tom Brady in Miami? I I mean, this is short-sighted, but I think I might, just because if Tua does play at a Derek Carr-like level, obviously that raises his trade value. And sure. you would think that at least some team out there, with the amount of quarterback movement that's that's gone this year, and a lot of quarterbacks are kind of on those like shorter-term, one-year mm-hmm. type of deals, I think it would be easier to trade him if he's really good this season, obviously. Um, and And just ultimately, you want to win a Super Bowl. And Mm -hmm. even if it's just one year and the Dolphins do what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like they would take that one Super Bowl year and then maybe having to hit the reset button um, over the alternative, which is, you know, sticking with a young quarterback and maybe never getting up to that potential level that they could get to uh, with Tom Brady as their quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I think it's absolutely fair to say that the Buccaneers don't regret their decision to move on from Jameis Winston and sign Tom Brady. That's worked out very well for Tampa Bay over the past couple seasons. And, and it, it's also what, worth yeah. noting, I mean, Stephen Ross, he, he's he's 81 years old. I think that mm-hmm. like he he wants, clearly he wants to win a Super Bowl. Um, and uh, clearly he can live until he's 100, 100, whatever. Like, I'm not saying that, like, I, I, I don't want to paint it like that, but I think that, you know, he's he's getting older and and you want to win a super bowl uh you know as quickly as possible i i i do think we underrate how much owner age actually matters when it comes to some of the decisions owners make uh in the nfl i do think it plays a meaningful role so i absolutely agree and i think thinking about a winner on my side i would say the bucks where mm-hmm. i mean for a period in this offseason it looked like they were down to cal trask as their starting quarterback they were about <laughs> to lose a bunch of veterans to free agency. It seemed like Gronk probably was not coming back. Um, Chris Godwin was going to be a free agent. Carlton Davis looked like he was out the door. The defensive line was basically shedding everyone except for Vita Vea uh, and their first round pick from last year, Joe Tryon Shoinka. But I mean, it felt like, you know, kind of people were running out of Tampa Bay. And then right before free agency opens up, Tom Brady says, eh. Uh, I'm actually going to come back. I'm good. And then suddenly Ryan Jensen comes back. Uh, I don't know if Gronk's coming back. I would assume he is. Um, but they they franchise Chris Godwin. They sign Russell Gage. They trade for Shaq Mason in a deal I still don't really understand from the Patriots' yeah. perspective. Um, they get Carlton Davis back on a, on a very reasonable three-year, $45 million deal. So yes, they've lost some talent and, and Bruce Arians did unexpectedly retire. But I mean, this team looks like it's very competitive at the top of the NFC with Brady back, assuming Brady plays the way he did a year ago. And the NFC South, I mean, is a mess. Sean Payton's retired. Matt Ryan's been traded. The Panthers are desperately trying to get a quarterback and nobody wants to go there. Like, like it feels like they have the clearest path to a division title of anybody in football outside of maybe the Packers. Yeah, I mean, it's the NFC as a whole is just weakened so much as well that it's almost, it almost seems like it's kind of a cakewalk for the Buccaneers to get to a Super Bowl. Obviously injuries can happen and who knows, you know, how this season goes for the Buccaneers. But um, yeah, I, they're, they were 100% on my big winners list. I think just Tom Brady unretiring, like pushed them into that category on its own. And then for him to be able to, convince all these players to return or or to sign there in the case of of someone like russell gage mm-hmm. yeah they they had a very successful offseason uh the one thing yeah i mean we'll see we'll see how it goes with bruce arians retiring and um and todd bowles being their head coach but at the same time i think that todd bowles like he there's a reason why he was interviewing for head coaching jobs i think that he was ready for another job as it was mm-hmm. and i'm not sure if there's going to be a huge drop off there, especially since they still have, uh, you know, one of the better offensive coordinators in the NFL and Byron Leftwich as well. If if Bruce Arians had kind of left them in the lurch and retired without those coordinators in place, it would have been um, maybe a, a lot more impactful. But 
yeah, yeah. they uh, it was definitely a, a very successful offseason for them. And, you know, signing a guy like Logan Ryan is going to make an impact. They, yeah, mm-hmm. all, all, all over the board, I think that it was a, a solid offseason for them. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard to argue it too much. They still have some work to do. You know, certainly the defensive line still a question mark. You got to figure that's a position they're going to address in the draft. Um, still some guys out there available in free agency as well. But it seems to me like they were a pretty reasonable uh, case for a winner. On, on the other side, can you throw me a loser from your list? Yeah, I, I think I'll throw out I, I've got five teams on here. I, I think the Cowboys are probably the most interesting mm-hmm. uh, loser just because I, I still can't really figure out exactly what they're doing. And, <laughs> you know, even, even trading away Amari Cooper for, you know, pennies on the dollar mm-hmm. when other wide receivers, you know, of his same talent level were signing for the same contract that he had with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know how much that, that trade make, made sense. Uh, you know, releasing Lael Collins, that seemed like an odd move. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of thought like, okay, yeah, if they trade Amari Cooper, then, you know, they can keep some of these guys. They can re-sign Randy Gregory. They can probably keep mm-hmm. Cedric Wilson. And then they didn't wind up doing any of that. And <laughs> I like, I guess the, the one, you know, silver lining for the Cowboys is that they're still the best team in that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed like they could have taken a major step forward this season and kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. And if anything, you know, a team like the Philadelphia Eagles has possibly gotten, you know, closer to them this off season. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was just a really strange off season for the Cowboys. And they're a team that I thought was going to push, you know, all the chips in to, to win a Super Bowl this season. And it kind of seems like they're going the opposite way. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. And I, I was a little surprised as well. I mean, you know, I, I certainly Amari Cooper has struggled to he, – he's usually available, but I feel like he's always playing at less than 100%. Right. You know, it's, he, he plays through games, but he also he's limping for like 80% of the game at some point. Um, there are stretches where he has not been available in games, but, I mean, certainly a, a talented player and a guy who – I mean, remember back when they traded for him originally, Dak Prescott was really struggling before – Amari Cooper got there. And I guess I wonder, you know, in terms of what you think, are are they better off with Amari Cooper and maybe a cheap tight end um, than they would be with franchising Dalton Schultz, signing Michael Gallup, and bringing in James Washington from the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like, like if you had to choose between those two sides, which one would you pick? I, I think I would probably pick, you know, franchising Dalton Schultz, bring back Michael Gallup, uh, James Washington, I'm not as big of a fan of that side. I, I just thought that Gallup was a bargain. I think that the franchise tag was so low for tight ends that it, it was kind of a move that made sense to franchise him because it, it was like 11, it was less than $12 million, I think, just mm-hmm. to franchise Dalton Schultz. But the thing is, is that they could have kept all three. Like they could have also kept Amari Cooper. Like I understand the thought process of kind of picking between those options, but they could have done everything. They could have, they could have also brought, you know, not traded away Mario Cooper or at least waited to trade him until maybe they could have got a little bit more for him. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's my bigger issue there is that they just don't seem to totally have a, a real plan in place 
Um, and I think that they certainly thought that they would be able to re-sign Randy Gregory. That did not wind up working mm-hmm. out for them. Uh, so that was probably part of the plan as well. And then maybe they've just kind of had to scramble ever since he, uh, he left in free agency. But yeah, I think that my biggest issue, like I said, is just the, the lack of a coherent plan, it seems like, for the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, do you blame the Dak Prescott contract for any of this? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I guess it that, you know, when you do invest that much in a quarterback, then it, it obviously limits your your ability to, to field a, as competitive of a team. But I think what I go back to with the Cowboys is that, I mean, they, they got the cap flexibility um, to, to make other moves. I think they've got mm-hmm. something like $15 million in cap space. So even after, you know, signing Dak Prescott to that contract, obviously they'll be a little bit hamstrung in the future uh, as that, as his cap hit grows. And maybe, you know, that's affecting some of their decision makings, but at least in the short term, at least in the interim, they could have been making more moves this off season with the cap space that they have available. Sorry, I'm just, as an ESPN employee, I'm contractually obligated to ask that question about the Cowboys whenever <laughs> something comes up. I mean, I, I was surprised, you know, and I think that, frankly, given what how much the Packers, or, or sorry, how much the Raiders had to pay to get Devontae Adams, how much the Dolphins had to pay to get Tyreek Hill, I, I don't think Amari Cooper is as good as either of those receivers, but to get him for a fifth-round pick on his existing contract when... Other teams had to pay out new contracts and give up first round picks plus more to get those guys. I feel like the Browns have to feel pretty good about getting Amari Cooper at that price tag. I think they did a really good job of anticipating the market before we saw things break down in a way that maybe uh, people weren't expecting. Yeah, and I, the the one that sticks out the most to me is that you know Mike Williams basically got the same contract is Amari Cooper. And mm-hmm. if you're just looking at this on paper of who has been the better player, at least up to this point, Amari Cooper has been significantly better than Mike Williams. Uh, maybe Mike Williams, you know, has a better career trajectory at this point on, but they're around the same age. I think that Amari Cooper is only about a year older than Mike Williams. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're the Browns and, you know, you trade for Amari Cooper, then it, it makes him a lot easier to it, it's easier to move on from Amari Cooper at this point, if you're the Browns than it would be for the chargers uh, to move away from Mike Williams, if something happens. So yeah, you're giving up a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper, but you also have a lot more flexibility with him on your team. So yeah, I, I think that the Browns, it, it worked out very well for them Uh trading for Amari Cooper. Obviously they did some other moves this off season that might not have been quite as smart, uh, but that one definitely stands out to me as, as a really solid move for them that, that made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of losers team that comes to mind for me, hmm. <laughs> I went to the Falcons because yeah. like they were not in great shape heading into this off season to be fair. And uh, you know, I, I think the Calvin Ridley thing, kind of out of their control. Like they could not have expected Calvin Ridley, or I guess they barely, they knew the Calvin Ridley thing was happening, but like not really up to them. They were put in a bad situation there, but I mean, this was a bad team a year ago that had a seven and 10 record because they were incredibly lucky in close games. That they basically, I, I don't know how many games, um, Young Way Koo won with last second field goals, but their wins last year came against the Giants, the Jets, the Dolphins in a two-point game where I think Koo hit a field goal at the last second to win. The Saints with Trevor Simeon, a quarterback. The Jags, the Panthers, and the Lions. It's not exactly beating the stiffest competition in football. And then that team lost Foyasade Olakun, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage. Didn't really replace those guys with anyone yeah. meaningful. They signed Rashawn Evans. Um, they signed Auden Tate, Demir Bird. But like, they're worse than they were a year ago. And then on top of that, even though they're in terrible cap shape and the one thing they have that they can feel pretty good about is a veteran quarterback, they decide to get involved in the Deshaun Watson negotiations. And that does enough to disenfranchise Matt Ryan to the point where he's traded to the Colts for a third round pick when Carson Wentz got much more via trade. So I, you talked about the Cowboys not having a plan. 
I have no idea what the Falcons' plan is besides just... It, it felt like they were tanking or giving up, and then they decided to try and trade for Deshaun Watson while they were trying to tank. And then that even led them further down the tanking hole. So I just... This franchise is a mess right now. Yeah, it really is. And they it seems like they kind of messed up with the compensatory pick formula this offseason as, as well, where... I don't think they're at least over the cap right now is not projecting them to receive any compensatory uh, picks in 2023, which is rough after they lost, you know, the, the players that they did and Russell Gage and some other free agents. Um, but it, it really seems like that pursuit of Marcus Mariota, I know not Marcus Mariota of, of Deshaun Watson really affected their off season where they couldn't really make any other decisions until they knew where Deshaun Watson was going to go, Deshaun Watson stretches it out. And then that, that, you know, further impacts them down the line where a player like, you know, Cordero Patterson, mm-hmm. I think that there's a reason why he signed with the Falcons after the Deshaun Watson decision was made. And that's mm-hmm. because the Falcons were saying like, listen, we can't do anything until we figure out <laughs> how much we're going to have to pay this guy. So you know, not only do they lose out on him, they might have lost out on some free agents that they were pursuing beforehand just based on being in that discussion, being part of that conversation. Um, and then they wind up losing out on Matt Ryan as well. Like you said, for a third-round pick, really doesn't seem like that much. Replace him with Marcus Mariota. Uh, yeah, it's that's, that's another team without a clear direction right now, and they're only really going downhill. I think that the only way that they can salvage this at this point is to just use, you know, that eighth overall pick on a quarterback. Uh, but clearly it's also not the greatest quarterback draft class. So even right. if they take a quarterback at eighth overall this season, maybe he doesn't work out, then they might be right back in the quarterback conversation in 2023 or 2024. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the way that everything shook out with the Carson Wentz trade and then following that up with the Matt Ryan trade and Deshaun Watson, everything like that, the Colts actually wound up looking okay because they got Matt Ryan for a third round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Falcons were, were one of the biggest losers of that by not getting Watson. And then by having to trade Matt Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the Colts relatively as winners. Like I don't love all the moves they made. Like I'm not right. sure Gus Bradley is a good defensive coordinator, unless he has like a hall of fame caliber free safety, like Earl Thomas or Derwin James. He's been kind of bad. Otherwise, um, yeah, Cornerback situation's a mess. They still need a left tackle, but I like them getting Anakin Gakwe on a, on a salary dump. And I think they managed to probably upgrade a quarterback or at least, you know, stay relatively close at, at quarterback while getting more draft capital out of those two deals. So, I, I mean, it wasn't the best offseason I've ever seen. But I think given the situation they sort of were in, which might have been their own fault, like I think they came out of this pretty happy all things considered yeah i think that you know getting matt ryan for less than what you got for carson wentz that alone kind of seems like a win and you know who knows what matt ryan looks like this season maybe uh you know as he gets older his career uh it doesn't go as strongly or anything like that but i think that just on paper matt ryan's probably a better quarterback than carson wentz um and i do think that kind of leads me into the, the commanders being a, an, another one of the losers for me, uh, just because of, you know, the fact that they acquired Carson Wentz so early in this process and after which, you know, a bunch of other quarterbacks hit the market. Like they could have had Matt Ryan. They could have had, they could still have Baker Mayfield. Jimmy Garoppolo's price has dropped quite a bit. So mm-hmm. they go out and get Carson Wentz you know, basically as, as soon as the, the first dominoes start falling at quarterback and maybe it would have been difficult for them pr- to predict that someone like Baker Mayfield would become available or that Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't go for as, you know, as high as they might have uh, thought initially. Uh, but I think that, you know, getting out ahead of things and acquiring Carson Wentz for what they did it just it does not look like a strong decision at this point. And otherwise, they really just haven't done a whole else this offseason for a team that, you know, an NFC East that could wind up being more wide open, as we said, with the Cowboys kind of falling off a little bit. I don't think that the Washington Commanders have made many strides this offseason. 
I, I think Ron Rivera's quotes when they were in the market for a quarterback about, oh, well, no one cares what the Rams paid for Matthew Stafford because they won right. a Super Bowl. Like, I, I, I don't know if that's the best way to approach things. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, Ron Rivera is a, a, a smart guy. He's had a lot of success. And um, I can understand after last year where they lose their starting quarterback in the first half, I think, of the first game of the year and have Taylor Heineke the rest of the way. I could see saying, okay, we have to upgrade this position no matter what. But I mean, I, I think it shows you like, like who uh, were they negotiating with anybody or were there, was there anyone else you think in the NFL willing to pay the sort of price that the commanders were at that time for Carson Wentz? I don't think so. And I mean, the other really interesting thing about the commanders and, and a quarterback is that they've basically been very open about the fact that they were actively pursuing Matthew Stafford last season and lost out on him. And then we're also actively pursuing Russell Wilson and lost out on, on him as well. It's like they're, they're embracing the fact that they've, that they've tried to pursue these franchise quarterbacks uh, and then ultimately got, gotten shunned by them. So it's, it's not a great place to be in. And Ron Rivera was really saying at the Combine that they were looking for a franchise quarterback I don't think that that's Carson Wentz at this point. Maybe he winds up turning his career around. Maybe he can refine the glory that he had in 2018 mm -hmm. or whatever it was with the Eagles. But I mean, I think we kind of know what Carson Wentz is at this point. He's a guy who's been, who was, you know, benched with the, with the Eagles. Things did not go well with him with the Colts. Um, it, it seems like there, there's a better probability that he'll wind up being a backup quarterback in the next couple of years than he will actually be a franchise quarterback. So no, I don't think that they were really bidding against anyone. They wound up, they'll probably have to wind up giving up a second round pick for Carson Wentz, which isn't great. Mm -hmm. um, since I really don't think that they'll be that competitive this season. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's certainly fair to say. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com um i forgot whose turn it is i feel like we brought the colts and the commanders um bring up can you give me another winner from your perspective yes and i think that this is one that i probably should have brought up right away but i just thought the dolphins were a bit uh like more fun to talk about and that's yeah. the los angeles chargers i think that yeah. they made some really smart moves this offseason uh not quite sure about the deal for mike williams but i thought that they were able to get a good discount on jc jackson I thought mm -hmm. that, you know, signing Sebastian Joseph Day was was solid, trading for Khalil Mack. I, I think my favorite part about their offseason is basically just that they're really clearly building the defense that Brandon Staley wants to run, the, the yeah. scheme that he wants to run, um, the system that he wants to run. I think that that was a major thing last season was that he really didn't have the players that he wanted on defense. Mm -hmm. uh, he had inherited that, you know, he had inherited a lot of guys. Uh, they, they weren't exactly, you know, the players that he probably would have picked, but now they go a season, they were, you know, semi-successful last year, despite the fact that they didn't make the playoffs. And now this year, it really seems like they're going to make a jump on defense based on all these moves that they made. So they were probably my biggest winner overall this off season, oh, wow. uh, just based on the fact that I'm a big fan of Brandon Staley. I think that and I think that he'll finally get to do what he wants to do on defense this season after last year was a little bit of a struggle with the personnel that he had. Is there anybody on football Twitter who does not like Brandon Staley? <laughs> I, there, there is. I'm not going to name any names. I've, okay. I've spoken to some people who 
but no, I, it is, it is funny. I think that, you know, because Brandon Staley, like, like talks the way that we talk, we just like, <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't like act like a football coach. He acts more like a, maybe like a media member with the way he speaks to people and, and talks. Uh, and that's why people kind of glom onto him a little bit, but mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm, I, I am a fan of Brandon Staley. I am too, to be fair. I'm not trying to say that people should not be, but um, I just always worry that like the Chargers bandwagon is is just so full <laughs> at all times. And not to say that I'm not a member or have not been a member many times in years past. I mean, I agree. And I think what I want to ask you about is um, the cornerback market, because we saw JC Jackson at the market. We saw Carlton Davis hit the market. I mean, two guys who were in the prime of their careers had been number one cornerbacks on great defenses. Uh, J.C. Jackson with the Patriots and Carlton Davis with the Buccaneers. And J.C. Jackson got more money than Carlton Davis did. But still, you know, these were not, you know, sort of the contracts that would break the market. I mean, J.C. Jackson got basically the deal Byron Jones got a couple years back. So I... I, I want to know what you think. Like, were you surprised that the top of the cornerback market didn't sort of hit the lofty heights you might expect, given their their pedigree, given their age, and and if given that didn't happen, any reasons you think why that might not have uh, occurred for guys like J.C. Jackson and Carlton Davis? I, I was a little bit surprised. I do think that there are still some lingering questions about J.C. Jackson uh, that were, you know, what initially caused him to go undrafted back in 2018. I think that, you know, as, as good of a player as you can be, you know, that, that kind of undrafted tag always follows you throughout your career. And, you know, JC Jackson was a model citizen in new England. uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, there, he was, he was, you know, charged with, with armed robbery back in college. And I think that when that happens, I think that your, your value will, become lower even even if you do have you know four really good seasons in, in new england i think the other thing there though was that i think he really wanted to play with the chargers so i think that that could have had an impact as well where i think it's possible that he could have made more money if he had gone to another team or if he had stayed on the market a little bit longer mm-hmm. uh, but i think that he really wanted to play in la la really wanted him and they basically just you know worked it out I, but overall, it does seem a little strange that the that you know the the market for cornerbacks or the the valuation of cornerbacks hasn't increased, and that we haven't seen another deal uh, similar to Jalen Ramsey's since he signed. That maybe we see that with a guy like Jair Alexander, maybe he gets you know the biggest contract. But yeah, I definitely thought that you know based on talent alone, J.C. Jackson definitely could have been that guy who kind of reset the cornerback market because he's a great man cornerback. Uh, he's made a ton of plays throughout his career. He's not just a guy who kind of like, you know, hangs back and doesn't allow any targets or anything like that. He's out there getting seven, eight interceptions per season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he proved last season that not only he can be a number one cornerback, but also do really well in zone. The Patriots played a lot of zone last season. Uh, and I think that JC Jackson still really thrived. So I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't able to kind of get that $20 million a year deal. But I also think that there were other factors involved there for why he didn't get that. And once he didn't get that, I think that's probably why Carlton Davis kind of signed for, for what he did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll throw a couple more quick ones out there for winners and then we'll hit one or two more and wrap up. Um Broncos, I mean, seem obvious, like yep. almost like not even worth discussing, like getting <laughs> Russell Wilson. I mean, given what their quarterback situation was, you paid a lot, but you got an upgrade at the most important position in football. Um, and I thought the Eagles, you know, where they bring in a son Reddick to sort of be that that extra pass rusher. They get a, a pay cut for Fletcher Cox, which still bring him back. The Kaiser White deal was reasonable. Um, Jason Kelsey came back, which is great for them. And then the trade they made, where they get an extra first-round pick from the Saints, a team that, you know, I, I think the Saints are going to be fine this year, maybe good, but not out of the question that a team with Jameis Winston, a quarterback that just lost their Hall of Fame caliber head coach, is terrible. And if they're terrible, suddenly the Eagles have, you know, by waiting a year, they might get a, a top five, top ten pick in the 2023 drafts. So I think a you know, not a trade without risk, but I think a, a risk worth taking given the upside for the Eagles by being patient. 
Definitely. One, one other team that I would throw out there is just the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that clearly they saw the biggest weakness on the team last year. And even if they didn't want to say it during the season or even at the combine, they were kind of, they were hesitant to throw the offensive line under the bus. It's very clear by what they did this off season that they clearly saw that as the biggest weakness on their team. And then they sign Ted Karras and Alex Kappa and, and Lael Collins after he gets released by the Cowboys. So I think that, you know, that, I think there were some questions about whether the Bengals could remain competitive in the AFC or remain at the top of that, that conference. And maybe there are still those questions uh, based on what other teams in the AFC West and other teams in that conference did. Uh, But I think that as far as protecting Joe Burrow, uh, they did a fantastic job this off season and making sure that he's able to stay a little bit more upright this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, who knows if those moves work out, but um, on paper, at least, they're in much better shape than they were a year ago. Um, on the flip side, uh, on the loser side, I I don't know. I mean, I, would you say, is there any case to be made that the Seahawks are on the right path with what they're doing? Uh, um, like are you, like are, could, could you even conceive of a devil's advocate scenario where the Seahawks are sitting here a year or two from now and thinking, man, we were so smart with what we did during the 2021 offseason. No, probably not. I mean, I think that it's it, it's pretty fascinating. I thought they would be in on Kirk Cousins. I think that they might have been if the Vikings didn't sign him mm-hmm. uh, to the extension. Uh, I think they're trying to sell some some free agents and, and players and everything like that on Drew Locke, which is kind of a, a funny concept. I think they still could definitely be part of the the rookie quarterback market. It's possible that they could even get in on Baker Mayfield. But mm-hmm. overall, I mean, the that the team just has not had a lot of talent on their roster over the last few years. And it seems like all of that's really just going to come to a head this season, no matter who's at quarterback, whether that is Drew Locke or whether that is Malik Willis or Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they will really see just how valuable Russell Wilson was to that franchise. And I know that they've been trying to push, you know, the idea that, oh, it was Russell Wilson who wanted out. We had no other choice. We had to trade Russell Wilson. I don't think that that's a hundred percent true. I think that mm-hmm. they were just as sick of Russell Wilson as he was of the Seattle Seahawks. And if they, they're trying to push that narrative, uh, to Seahawks fans, they had no choice but to trade him. But they definitely could have gone another year with Russell Wilson on that team, and they chose to trade him to the Denver Broncos. So, no, I don't think that, that team is in great shape, uh, and it's it's an odd place for them to be in with an older head coach and Pete Carroll. Like, I don't know how much longer he's going to be the head coach there, but I don't think that he's necessarily psyched about you know hitting that reset button and starting all over again. I think that John Schneider might be a little bit uh, more, you know, uh, apt to do that than, mm-hmm. than Pete Carroll is, but I wouldn't be surprised if Pete Carroll kind of tries to push for them to, to try to be competitive this season. Mm-hmm. I, I think Pete Carroll, just by his, his own weird nature, the idea of tanking, I think would make him physically sick. So I, <laughs> I, I cannot imagine that he's about to tank in Seattle, at least on purpose. Um, give, give us one more loser uh, from your offseason. We'll finish up there. Uh, I think it's got to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the the rest of the AFC West got better. Uh, the Broncos added Russell Wilson. The Raiders added Devontae, uh, Devontae Adams. The Los Angeles Chargers, like I said, added Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day, all of these players. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill, and yeah. they didn't do – a whole lot else this off season. And I just, I understand that they kind of had to trade Tyree kill because of the salary cap situation. And the fact that they didn't really necessarily want to give him the same contract that the Miami dolphins did. But I, I think that's going to be a major problem in Kansas city. Just the weapons that Patrick Mahomes is going to be working with because Travis Kelsey is another year older um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster was signed to a, a smart deal, but he's dealt with a lot of injuries recently. Marcus Valdez-Scantling signed for probably a little bit more than I would have expected him to heading into the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's certainly not a one-for-one replacement 
for Tyreek Hill. I think they're definitely a team that should be looking at a wide receiver in the draft, but at the same time, you know, McCole Hardman hasn't done a whole lot. So it's no guarantee that even if they do get a wide receiver in the first or second round, that he'll wind up being uh, that impact player. So, you know, weapons were already an issue for them going back to that. What was it? 2020 Super Bowl for them. Um, mm-hmm. And now they've gotten significantly worse getting rid of Tyreek Hill. And you've seen that division get significantly stronger. So I don't know. I think that this was kind of inevitable uh, with the Patrick Mahomes uh, deal and some of the other contracts that they've signed that at some point uh, the money was going to run out and they were going to have to start over a little bit. But it's not a great place to be in with still a a young quarterback uh, when they were at the top of that AFC for so many years. And I think that they will drop off quite a bit this year. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, we don't want to give Tyreek Hill $25 million a year, which I think is about where it ended up after the, I know it was $30 million on paper, but a right. lot. They didn't want to, that, that's fine. Okay, you want to make that move? That That's, I, I understand. But to give Marquez Valdez-Scantling three years and $30 million, to sign Ronald Jones, like, I to, 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 to restructure Frank Clark and bring back when he's facing, still facing, I believe, felony charges, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, just like I, I, I don't really understand why getting rid of Tyreek Hill leads you to make those moves. Like they do not need Ronald Jones. They can find a running back group cheaper uh, in terms of adding a deep threat. Like McCall Hardman is right there. Um, I think adding Juju was a, a reasonable move. Obviously, something they tried to do a year ago, and I think they are going to change a little bit of how they work on offense. I think seeing how teams defended them this year is going to change a little bit of how they want to approach things in 2022. But I mean, the the Valdez Scantling signing, like I I was away, I was I was getting married when it happened, and I saw the deal, and I'm like, oh, maybe like one year, like four million. I guess I could see how that would make sense. And then I saw the money, and I was like am I drunk? Like, did I not, (laughs) what am I missing here? Like, is there a different Marquez Valdez Scantling? I'm not aware of like, like it it was really shocking to me. And and I think that, you know, if they don't go out and add a significant wide receiver in this year's, this draft, I'm going to be pretty disappointed with how I, how their off season turned out. I think they are, like you said, not just in a tougher division, but they've also weakened themselves. And I, I think that the moves they made to try and supplement their weaknesses I think you could pull Colson a fair amount of them. Yeah. And I mean, they also lost both of their starting cornerbacks as well, which is not exactly a, a great place to be in. Well, and now Devontae Adams and, and Russell Wilson are, are in your division. Um, and it already included, you know, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So I think their starting cornerbacks right now are like Rashad Fenton and DeAndre Baker. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, it, it does almost seem like they're, they're like, they're accepting their fate <laughs> this season, <laughs> but uh, that still doesn't justify, like you said, giving Marcus Valdez Scantling three years, thirty million, or even you know doing kind of a one-for-one swap of Justin Reed uh, for Teron Matthew, and Justin Reed mm-hmm. wound up getting what three years, thirty-one and a half million dollars. Like, yeah, that's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't been that good over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I know that he was with the Houston Texans and maybe things turn around. I'm overall a fan of him as a player, but you know, it's not as if they were, you know, I don't know. They, they were kind of, he wasn't at the peak of his career when he signed that, that no. contract, it feels like. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting place that they're in right now. Um, and I could see things going pretty poorly for them next season. Yeah. And they still haven't even signed Orlando Brown. To an extension, their their franchise right. left tackle, where that could be, you know, he has a lot of leverage now, given that they traded for him, given that he's franchised. I mean, Orlando Brown's probably looking at a, a significant amount of money if they do get a deal done. So I, you know, I, I feel like they're they they've sort of made some big moves and have not sort of solved the bigger problems with that team. Now, granted, they're the Chiefs; they're still in really good shape. A lot of teams would love to be where the Chiefs are right now, but. Um, I certainly think they've been, uh, I, I don't think this is how they would have hoped their offseason would have turned out. Do you, who do you think is the worst team on paper, at least in that division right now? The Raiders. I, I think the Raiders are a team that 
were much worse last year. And um, I, they were a young team. You know, they, I don't know if their young players are all that great, or at least some of their young players are all that great. So I think you're hoping that you get some development from the young guys. And the moves they did make with Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams are, are difference makers at, at their weaker positions. But I think their secondary is not very good. I think the, you know, I think their linebackers, even though they did uh, bring in a couple guys, are still not very good. I think the receivers, obviously, excellent. But I have questions about Devontae Adams away from Aaron Rodgers. And the offensive line is a mess. I don't think they have a good offensive line uh, outside of Colton Miller whatsoever. So, you know, I, I I think they are still the weakest team of the bunch. But then I think, you know, last year the Chiefs were the best team in the division. And now I think it's sort of a, a clump between the, those top three teams there in the AFC. Yeah. Yeah, The it feels like the Raiders are another team kind of similar to what the Chargers were last year where – it might take mm-hmm. them a year to get that defense in order because uh, you're just going from from Gus Bradley to Patrick Graham is is such a huge shift and you can't just completely make over your linebacker core in one season you can't make over your entire secondary and defensive line so i i think that you know clearly they made some kind of short term moves uh, that made them much better this season but yeah I, I think that they'll probably be in better shape a year or two down the line once they kind of fix up their team to to fit their system a little bit better. For sure. Um, all right. Well, Doug, thanks so much for coming on today. If people want to check out the work you do, where can they go ahead and do that? Yeah, uh, go to pff.com. Um, I've got a piece on Kayvon Thibodeau coming out on Wednesday. And follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide. That's D-O-U-G-K-Y-E-D. Awesome. Thanks so much, Doug. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, as always, to my guest, Doug Kide of PFF. Strongly recommend you check out Doug on Twitter and read his work every week. Doug does excellent work covering the entire league. Check that out. And we have more audio coming next week. I think we're going to talk about the college quarterbacks, the, I guess, five quarterbacks who might get drafted in the first round, depending on whose mock draft you're reading, but going to have a person with a significant college football background. Don't want to hint at who it is, but a analytically inclined person who works for ESPN might be joining us next week. So I hope you guys are looking forward to that. We have more audio coming next week. So thanks so much for listening.